two things this evening, two really simple things. You're not going to get lots of great theological unpacking, just two really simple things. How do we set down the things that hinder us and how do we move on from the sin that so easily entangles us? You know, one of the things that that organizations do, or if you go and meet a kind of life coach, they might ask you a question that kind of says, where where do you want to be in 10 to 20 years' time? You know, dependent on what your age is, obviously. As you get older, the time frame gets shorter. Some of us just hope to be home by then, you know. Um, where do you want to be then? And as we, as we learn about what it means to follow Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life together, you know, I know about you, but, but I hope, I hope some things for our country. I hope that as a nation we won't be in the muddle that we are now. But actually we'll be standing together, not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of the whole of the planet. You know, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be a good outcome for whatever the kind of chaos that is going on at the moment? You know, I, I hope that as a nation with such a rich Christian heritage, that things have turned around in 10 or 20 years' time, and it's quite frankly not as tough a place to be a Christian as it is now. I hope and I pray for all saints that this is a place in 10 or 20 years' time that is full of disciples. Yes, we're going to do something with the building. Yes, we'll take out the pews and, and we'll go this way. I hope that that's the, that's the current plan. We'll go that way. But you know, beyond all of that, I hope and I pray that we'll be, we'll be in the business of making disciples of growing ourselves and helping others to grow so that everywhere we go, society is transformed so it looks a little bit more like the society of Jesus. John chapter 10 verse 10 says this, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. There is someone out there who wants to rob us of life. And so as we come to this evening, my simple question to you is, are the things that you are doing now going to help you to get to where you hope and pray that you would want to be in 10 or 20 years' time? Are the thought patterns that you are engaged in right now, are they helpful for where you hope that you will be as a follower of Jesus in 10 or 20 years' time? Are the choices that you're making about how you use your time, are they going to be helpful for where you think that God is leading you to in 10 or 20 years' time? And I want you to, when I talk, have that big stuff in the back of your head because, you know, the the church vision is so simple. It's bringing us back to ordinary, boring, normal things like waking up in the morning and going, morning, Lord. It's called praying. And opening the Bible and reading it because then we feed ourselves. Those little patterns, those habits will shape how we are 
in the next 10 or 20 years. And the encouragement from these verses is, is that we are to travel light. We are to let go of the things that don't help us to run the race with perseverance. To throw off everything that hinders us. You know, maybe you come at this and you go, well, Mark, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so clear about the things that are hindering me because, you know, life is really busy and there's so much going on. And I, and I honestly, Mark, I can't, I can't give any time or anything like that to, to doing this stuff because I, life, folks, everyone's got the same amount of time. It doesn't matter how well you manage it. Everyone's got 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, 365 or, you know, and a quarter or something, days a year. We've all got the same amount of time. A number of years ago, I I, I read this amazing illustration on the back of a cereal packet. You might have heard it. It was of a lecturer uh, at a university or something like that giving giving an illustration to his students about time management. And he got out a really big jar. And he filled the jar with rocks. And he said to the students, is the jar full? And they went, yes! So he got out a bag of gravel. And he poured it into the jar. And he said, is the jar full? And the students said, yes! And he said, no it's not. And he pulled out a bag of sand and he poured that in as well. Is the jar full? And the students are catching on. No! And he got out a big jug of water and poured it into the jar. But then he asked them, what's the time management lesson from this? To which the students replied, it doesn't matter how full the jar is, you can always cram more in. And he said, that's not the answer. So the answer is, if you want to get the big rocks in, You've got to put them in first. And folks, our lives get so busy with so much stuff, so many things to do, so much going on, that what we forget to do is we forget to put the really important stuff in first and then ask questions about all the rest of it. You know, and there are things that we can do. There are things that we can do that will help to shape the course of our lives. As a, you know, as well as letting some stuff go, you know, if you're going to let something go, you've got to have a bigger yes that you're saying that you're holding on to. Maybe it's that you're comfortable. You know, it's it, to do something different is going to mean some discomfort. You know, discomfort's okay. I'm just saying, it's okay. It's okay for us to be a little bit more uncomfortable than we are currently. Do you know what? It'll be alright. We can probably cope with a lot more discomfort beyond before we get to the point where we are actually uncomfortable, where it's actually going to affect us for ill. And folks, if that means going to bed a bit earlier or getting up a little bit earlier so that you can actually pause and pray. 
If there's anyone who doesn't have an alarm clock, and that's the problem, I'll buy you one. And if you need to do that kind of stuff after you've had two cups of coffee in the morning, but the coffee's a problem, I'll buy you the coffee. Don't let that stuff be a hindrance for you choosing to do the things that you want to do. You know, if you, there is a, we can't get away from it. There is a running illustration in this passage. So we are going to probably come back to that certainly each time I preach and, and maybe if Monica preaches again on this passage, we'll just, you know, or, or Joe Tucker pre, any of us who run, you know, we'll, we'll use the, whatever our running illustration is. Um, uh, last year, I, this, what year? Who knows? Some time ago, I did a marathon. It was the one that didn't go so well, went rather badly, in fact. Uh, but at the start of the kind of training period, I was aware that, you know, I was, I was creaking and aching in places that I didn't want to creak and ache. Uh, and I, I, was, I was really unsure as to whether I could do it at all. So I went to see a physio, I went to see a physio and just said, well, what's, what's going on? You know? And the reason I went to see him and get the help was because I wanted to do something that was bigger than I was able to do by my own effort, and I knew it wasn't quite going according to plan. So I went and found someone that could help me, and what he did is he put me on a running machine, and he, and he videoed me, and, and then we watched the video together, uh, and he said, Mark, what do you think the problem is? And I was like, oh, I don't know, I, I thought I looked quite good. I, I don't think I said that, but I, I, I felt that anyway. Uh, and he looked at me, and he, and he basically said, he said, Mark, you, I mean, He was a lot gentler than this, but he basically said, Mark, you're not running in a straight line. You know, he said, if you, if you want to go forwards, you kind of need to run forwards rather than, so I I don't know what kind of habit I'd scoop, you know, but his demonstration of it was that I was like, I don't think I'm that bad. But, and he retrained me to run forwards, which apparently is a good plan for running. And for the, for the first two months after I saw him, I was like, I am consciously running forwards. And now my legs are not near my arms and I'm like, you know, it was hard work trying to, th- trying to practice a new way of being. But what I had to do is I had to throw out the old way of being and take hold of the new way of being. I decided I was wanting to do something different. But it took actually some discipline. You know, to choose to throw something out takes some discipline. And what about the sin that so easily entangles us? I'm not going to dwell very long on this, actually, because I want us to get to response time. I think it's it's all too easy to to actually get a bit over emotional about sinning and messing stuff up. You know, sin is the mess that we make when God wanted us to do something good. We can get kind of over over emotional about it. We can give ourselves a hard time, and and we can come come before before the Lord, and we're kind of oh Lord, I mess up. Oh, you know, and we can kind of give it all that, and I, uh, and I think quite a lot of the times, kind of looking at looking at us, kind of going, "What are you doing?" But there are some things about about sin, about messing up, that it's worth unpacking. And and if you, if there is any nugget in this, I hope that this is the nugget.
It's that underneath sin, there are lies. There are lies that we believe about us or about God that make it permissible for us to do that thing. Even if it's just in the moment. And there's a bigger set of lies at work in our culture that would like to reshape things that are bad as good. And we can get caught up in that. It's not a new thing, it's as old as people are. This whole kind of truth lies thing is beautifully expressed in Romans chapter 1 verse 25. It says this, that we've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And I think that's true of all types of sin, that we've exchanged the truth for a lie. I want to do something my own way. That's not a thing that's true. Because God's way for us is going to be so much better. And those repeated sins, I think, are especially wrapped up in lies. The lie, perhaps, that they're going to make us happy. So what do we, what do we do when we encounter sin in our own lives? Folks, this, this talk is not about you kind of getting out your holy notebook so you can write stuff down about everyone else and how terrible they are. I mean, everyone else is terrible. But you know what? God has made them holy! So actually, they're amazing. So put your notebook away. Okay, this is for you and me. What happens when we, when we step into sin? What are we supposed to do in response? I think the first thing is, is just to observe what's happened. You know, if you like, this is the kind of, this is the adult learning thing. Just to, you know, observe, acknowledge, acknowledge what's happened. But I think the next thing to do would be to actually dig a little bit further rather than getting to repentance too quickly and identify what the lie is, but also what the harm is. Identify the lie and the harm. Because actually, if you can do those things, if you can identify the lie and if you can identify the harm, you'll get to be able to let those things go, to, to take a different course of action next time much more easily. Any of you who will have done a speed awareness course will know that they talk about these. Anyone else done a speed awareness course? I've done two. Come on, let's just, let's just fess up now. Okay. You know, that, the lie, the rest of you that haven't, well done. You just haven't got caught yet. Uh, <laughs> They identify one of the lies about speeding for you, for us on the course. One of the lies is that you'll get there quicker. And they give you the maths about really how much quicker will you get there if you drive at 70, uh, 80 miles an hour rather than 70 miles an hour. And they tell you what difference that, that makes. And then, you, and then they say, is it worth the cost? Because here's the harm that you could cause. They identify the lie and they identify the harm. The next thing to do is to share with another human being, as well as God. But share with another human being. Just to say to them, you know, I'm struggling with this at the moment. I'm, I'm not doing this well. 
I made a choice uh, a number of, of years ago to be, uh, to try and be the person in the room who, if I'd messed up, would put my hands up really quickly. You know? Especially in a church context. You know, where I'm the person that often stands at the front. You know, if I mess up, I'm like, okay, yeah, that one was me. Um, yep, I did that. That, that's the person I want to be. And I, and I hope that that's, that, that you will, that you will want to be that too. That, that when, not if you mess up, but when you mess up, that you'll find another human being and you'll go, Oh, you know what? No, it wasn't a good week. You know, I wrote, I wrote that email to the person and, and the opening line, the opening line was complete lies. Because I wanted to make myself feel better. Fess it up to another human being. And the next thing, of course, to repent. To repent means literally to change your mind. To take on the mind of Christ. To exchange your set of thoughts about this thing for the mind of Christ. His way of doing things. Or to turn around and go the other way. You were walking in this direction and it's to say, no, I want to walk in this direction. And the next thing after repentance is to exchange. You know, when you, when you hand something over, especially if you are handing over a lie, to then say, okay, Lord, what do you want to give me in return? What am I, what am I receiving? What am I stepping into you, into of you? You know, and we're going to do some of that this evening. What we're going to, what we're going to do as by way of response and sharing communion together is, is there's a, table here and you can if you if there's things that you need to you need to let let go of that are hindering you they might not necessarily be things that are wrong or sinful they're just getting in the way and you you know you can come and grab a stone and and drop it into the water as a way of saying i'm letting it go or you can uh you can uh, we've got a chalkboard on here um be warned if you want to write something on and then rub it off so that no one else can see it just saying that doesn't quite work so, you know, you might want to not write your deepest sins on here. But if you like, that's the letting go place. This is your place where you might want to put your sin in the bowl of water. You know, use it however's helpful. And then use the, use the chalkboard here to kind of come and write some stuff on either that you want to let go of or that you, or, or sins that you want to let down. But, you know, it, you might want to write them in the generalist sense <laughs> rather, rather than the very specifics. Because it doesn't rub out so easily, okay? Um, but then after you've done that, to come here and to receive bread and wine, the moment you've let something go, to come and receive. But come and do this bit with a friend. And with a friend, you give them the bread. And you give them the wine. And then they give you the bread and they give you the wine. You know, and what we're doing in that is we're doing what Jesus taught us to do. You see, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, take, eat, this is my body, broken for you. And he did the same with the cup. 
This is the cup of the new covenant, my blood, which is poured out for you. And as we, as we share this together, Lord, I pray that you would move deeply in us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. So come and set things down in this direction and then kind of come and take something up as well. And um, there's also a great big bit of paper on, on the communion table as well. I encourage you to write some stuff down. You know, if you've got something specific you're, you're choosing to receive from God, come and write it down on the communion table here. Let me be really specific and then we're going to do this stuff. Pornography is a good illustration of how sin leads us away from other people and into, sh- into shame. Because it's something that happens in secret. And it's so easily accessible nowadays. What's the harm? Let's be real. The harm in this day and age is the objectification of women and men and children. The person on the other side of the screen could well have been trafficked or abused and part of a whole system that is wrecking people's lives. That's the reality. But there's another harm as well, not just the person on the other side of the screen. There's another harm. It's the harm to yourself whenever you look at that stuff. Because actually what pornography does is it affects your ability to connect relationally with any other human being, let alone sexually with your husband or your wife. Because what you do is you train, you retrain your brain to have a set of expectations that no other human being could ever possibly fulfill. It's an entirely self-harming, destructive act, as well as harming all those other people who are on the other side of the screen and caught up in that. And it harms you and God because of the shame that you then carry, the images that you have in your head. And it's harder for you to be used by him when you've got all that stuff in your brain. And once it's in your brain, it tends to stay in your brain. What's the lie? I don't know what the lie is if this is your struggle. The lie would be different for different people, but it might be, you know, this makes me happy. Yeah, right, look at the harm. It's a question worth asking. What lies am I believing that means that I think that this is okay? Or maybe you take the issue of someone being angry. You know, there's a whole bunch of identity stuff in our culture where we hold identity higher as the identity that I choose rather than what God says over me. But you know, being just an angry person and that being how you are made is not okay. That's just not true. And we need to be real about sin. If it's sin, let's call it sin. And I don't mean about, you know, about lording that over other people. 
And I don't mean about being arrogant in our culture, because in our culture, the way that we express things, we've got to be overwhelmingly loving and gracious, because it's a whole muddle. And love and look after people. But you know, if, if it's sin, it's sin. And we can't recategorize that stuff. But you know what? You know what this church needs? It doesn't need less sinners in it. It needs more. You know, it, it, it needs to be messed up with a whole lot of people that are messing it up. Okay? And in 10 or 20 years time, if we have done the things that God has called us to be and do, this place will not be recognizable because it will be full of people that are on a journey. It will be messy. And that means that we're going to have to be a whole lot more gracious with other people and with ourselves. So folks, let's, let's do this together. And um, I'm going to get Ruth to come up and pray us into it. Is that okay, Ruth? And um, and as we as we do so, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You're welcome. Lord, come and come and work amongst us. Ruth, come and come and come and pray us in, and the band come up as well.